and welcome to episode two of Freight to the Point, a podcast by Zen Cargo. Today we've invited Laura O'Dell, the head of air for Europe at Zen Cargo, to talk about her origins, how she's made ship happen, and her thoughts on how the traditional supply chain industry should be disrupted. Welcome, Laura. Great to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. Not at all. So, Laura, let's get Freight to the Point. Tell us about your supply chain origins. How did you get into the industry? So I live very near to he- or I used to live very near to Heathrow Airport, so that helped. When I left school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So my best friend's dad took us along to an open day at Heathrow Airport where I met some people from an apprenticeship scheme called Freight Train. And basically what they do is you do the apprenticeship scheme alongside and um, they give you a placement into a freight company. And I was placed into an air import department for a small freight company at Heathrow Airport where they specialised in some very unusual commodities. So they did, you know, animals and pets and that kind of thing. And they also did human remains as well. So, yeah, so I did air imports there for a year and then I kind of moved around a bit doing air imports for around 10 years. So I became very kind of experienced in the customs procedures as well as, you know, getting involved with customers and customer service and stuff like that. So after 10 years, I I felt like I needed to do something a bit different. I wanted to learn a bit more about the industry. So I actually went into a more commercial role, um, learning more about exports. And with exports, you need to learn a lot about the equipment that comes with air freight. So the different types of aircraft and their restrictions and what you can fit on them and that kind of thing. So I learned a lot going into a commercial role. I did pricing and tenders and stuff. So yeah, and then kind of went into more of a, a procurement role after that as well, meeting with the airlines and, and doing that kind of thing. So I've had quite a varied experience within the industry. Gosh, one interesting place to start. You must have had some really exciting and strange stories, I can imagine, in those early days of your apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, there was quite a lot that went on. I actually ended up having to go to court as a witness for one import that we brought into the country actually had illegal substances in the confinement. So I had to go oh, to wow. Southwark Crown Court to give evidence in, in the in the case. Gosh. So yeah, very exciting stuff. And what were most some of the most sort of bizarre and exotic animals that you were involved in in moving around? I remember we had um, Portuguese man of war in the in the warehouse at one point. But a lot of it was like domestic pets, like cats and dogs and stuff like that. Gosh, how fascinating. It was a great testament as well to the power of apprenticeships for helping people get into into industries that they possibly might not have ended up in. Definitely. But it's been a while, so you've been doing air for 10 years. So so what's made it kind of made you stick with air? So obviously it's very fast paced. No two days are the same. People book air freight because it's urgent. So generally there is a sense of urgency in everything that you're doing, which obviously keeps things exciting. The the commodities that you deal with, as I've just touched on, like generally people use air freight because the, the commodity is urgent. So you've got controlled substances that I've dealt with a lot, temperature control products that, that, that come up a fair bit as well. I think it's just a fast pace. It's different to ocean freight because, you know, everything is so urgent when you're dealing with it. I just really enjoyed the pace of the, of the work. I've always worked in startups and I always think about the pace of working in an industry has been something that's almost, it's a bit addictive. Yeah. It's a bit like a, a drug. So do you think that for you, that pace of the air industry is going to keep you hooked? Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. And I think like every time, like every company I've gone to has brought a different challenge to me. So like, like I say that my previous company, I dealt a lot with like controlled substances and stuff like that. My first ever company, I was dealing with animals. So like it, it, there's always something different to get involved in. And I think that is really exciting. 
So Laura, tell us about a time that you've made SHIP happen. I'd love to hear about how you personally have impacted the industry. In my last job, we did a lot of project cargo, so a lot of out-of-gauge shipments, so really large shipments, mechanical shipments, aircraft engines that require a lot of expertise, a lot of knowledge, because, you know, these shipments are, are really big and you've got to get them onto an aircraft and they're worth millions of pounds. So you need to know what you're doing to be able to, to, to get involved in a movement like that. We dealt with that quite a lot at my last company. We created, obviously, really good relationships with our partners, so we were able to move these things successfully and get them door-to-door without any errors. And because we actually dealt with these quite a lot, we were invited to, or I was invited to write an article for Forwarder magazine, which is a magazine within the industry, and that article was published. So, yeah, that was a really good a really good thing for me. That was really exciting. Oh, what a win. Yeah. I hope you had a copy that went straight onto the fridge. Yeah. I've saved it. I've framed <laughs> it and put it up on the wall. It's really high stakes of moving those sorts of goods. It must have led to some some real problem solving and having to really work out sort of scenarios that you hadn't necessarily imagined before. Definitely. Like we had one scenario where um, this engine was, it was one of the first times that an engine like this was moved. And there was a, a person from the manufacturer who actually wanted to fly with the with the cargo. So we had to yeah, so we had to liaise with the airline and try and get this guy on the on the freighter aircraft. So it's a freighter, it's so you've got to try and get someone on, on the flight. So yeah, it does it does bring up its own unique challenges when you're dealing with project cargo like that. How interesting. Gosh, thank you for sharing that. And it, look, it's really obvious, Lauren, you've dealt with lots of different cargo types. You've got a really sort of fruitful and broad career behind you. But look, nothing's ever easy. And I think high stakes projects, sleepless nights, you know, logistics and supply chain is full of challenges. And I'd love to hear, you know, tell me a bit about some of the obstacles that you faced and, and had to overcome. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges for me is is when I decided to take the next step in my career you know, after I had my children, that was when I really thought that I wanted to do something with this and I really wanted to establish my career. But despite getting through, you know, multiple interviews and, you know, meeting different people at the companies that I've I've gone to, um, my self-doubt will always creep in. The um, imposter syndrome will always creep in, despite the fact that, you know, I've, I've beat other people to the roles and I've got the roles because I, I obviously know what I'm doing and I've been doing it a long time but yeah that self-doubt always creeps in but I think what I've learned over the last kind of four or five years is that with each role I've gained more knowledge and I've learned more so I think it's about going into these new roles just appreciating that you're new to it and that you need to listen and learn and absorb all that knowledge from, from around you and not beat yourself up about you know not completely understanding what you're doing. It's just about taking that time and learning and and absorbing all that knowledge. I I doubt you're the only person who's had an experience of battling self-doubt and imposter syndrome, given that it's between us. I think it's possibly a not a uniquely female challenge, but I think women often really struggle with that as their careers grow. And when you're in, you know, what is often a male dominated space, it can be really tough to kind of stand out and just show that ultimately, I don't know if you can say this, but you know your you know your ship, as it were. And obviously you've got so much experience behind you and it's great to hear that you've managed to kind of recognise that's a challenge for you and, and work on it step by step. So I suppose maybe, Laura, for anyone else that's struggling with imposter syndrome or has struggled, are there any steps that you've taken in your personal development that have helped you overcome this? Yeah, so 
I mean, I, I wasn't even aware of imposter syndrome. It was only um, when I started at Zen Cargo and I, actually my manager, my interim manager, not long after I started was Charlotte Picker. And we started to get to know each other through our one-to-ones. And she actually mentioned imposter syndrome and started talking to me about it. And I thought, oh my God, that's me. Um, so once I actually knew what it was, it meant that I could actually identify and acknowledge when it was happening so like when I'm talking to myself negatively or when I'm feeling negative I can actually identify when I'm feeling that way and do something about it so you know Charlotte gave me some tools she put me in touch with a coach so I had some coaching which really helped self-affirmation so in the like every morning saying positive things about yourself can really change your mindset for the day yeah and and also like Charlotte recognised that, 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 you know, I had this self-doubt, so she would always, you know, give me regular feedback, which is really important to me as well, just so that I know that I'm doing a good job. So, yeah, I think having that positive role model in Charlotte and also having those tips from her was really useful. Oh, it's so great to hear. And I think a, a shout-out for anyone that's listening to, to Charlotte Picker, who, who is just an incredible mentor to a lot of people, I think, in the business at Cargo and a real advocate, particularly for helping women grow and, and for the power of networking and support between women in business as they are kind of facing things like imposter syndrome and self-doubt in their roles. And I wonder, Laura, you know, as you started to find these tools that help you with imposter syndrome at work, positive affirmations, better self-talk cycle, getting into a much more rigorous routine of feedback, have you noticed that bleeding into your personal life as well? Are you taking some of those things to kind of out of work? Yes, definitely. I think um, just trying to, I think you can choose your, you know, how you want your day to be. So if you wake up and you do feel a little bit, you know, uneasy, a little bit unsettled or whatever, if you if you choose to, you know, you can get up in the morning, put some happy music on, some, you know, some um, positive music on, like I'll light, my, light one of my favourite candles or something, if I know I'm not feeling quite myself. And I find that, you know, if you choose to feel a certain way in the morning obviously in certain situations it's not going to it's not going to help but yeah I think you can definitely decide how your good how your day is going to be by just being more positive you're totally right is there any uh top recommendations for tracks or playlists to start your day well there's definitely got to be some Beyonce in there without a doubt <laughs> Beyonce is very uplifting we can definitely give her a shout out yeah definitely <laughs> love that I don't know about you but something I love to do is you know I think for me, if I can start my day with getting outside in any way for a little walk, for a run, if I'm feeling brave and, and to really just clear my head and start to think about what I need to do, but kind of reminding yourself that it's going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. And I think often, you know, a lot of the stuff behind imposter syndrome is fear. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you've experienced, but you know, fear of failure, fear of making a big mistake. And actually you've got 10 years behind you that prove that you could survive probably anything. Yeah, exactly. Including Portuguese man of war jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of those things as well, my coach actually told me is, I have a fear sometimes of, of, of talking, like speaking my mind, of saying what I'm thinking for fear of ridicule, or fear of someone saying, some, you know, how ridiculous are you? Like, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. But my coach actually said to me, you know, just say what you need to say. Send that email that you, you know, that you want to send and actually record how you know record the reaction to that email or what you've said like actually write it down because you'll find that it is just fear in your own head because when you actually record those reactions you'll notice that the reactions aren't as bad as you thought they were going to be you've completely fabricated or you've completely over you know overthought what that person's reaction is going to be that's a really interesting tip that's great 
And Laura, do you have any, because obviously you had a great you know, experience where you were able in your current role to work with a good mentor who was able to provide a coach and give you some tips on how to kind of overcome these challenges. I'm sure there are plenty of people who might be struggling with imposter syndrome who possibly aren't in that setting or don't feel that they can maybe talk to their manager. Do you have any tips for those people as to kind of where to start? Um, I think it's really important just to, um, you know, just to acknowledge how you're feeling and then just speak to someone about it, you know, just get some support. I think I think before I met Charlotte, I would never have I would never thought about mentorship or coaching or anything like that. And initially I, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know if that's going to help. But actually, um, it is really useful. So I would just say reach out to your manager or, you know, someone, you know, a female member of the business that you feel comfortable talking to and just ask them for advice. I think that's the best thing you can do. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, and I know, you know this is a podcast about supply chain and we're talking about what the freight, but actually I really hope that by being able to start having these conversations about things like how we are at work, what it's like to be a woman working in supply chain. It's part of a movement of change in this whole industry. And of course, we're seeing disruption from the top down and the bottom up in terms of the way people work, in terms of the way the entire industry works. The world has obviously gone through change, whether it's COVID over the last few years. We've had things like the rate inflation. We've had Suez Canal. We've had queuing outside ports in, in the US. We've had all sorts of drama. But there is no doubt that change and disruption is happening across all of supply chain and then I wonder you know for you Laura how do you think we can and maybe should disrupt the industry so you know, do you have a dream in, in your mind of how the supply chain industry might look in the future? I think for me I'd like to see more women in leadership positions we all know logistics is a, a typically male-dominated industry, um, so I'd like to see that shift in diversity. I know we've spoken about Charlotte a lot, but she actually was my first female manager in over 20 years in the industry. So, and, and I learned so much from her. I got so much support from her in the, in the short few months that she was my interim manager that I actually got promoted in seven months of being in this company, and that is obviously hard work from myself but from the support and everything I've got from her that's not to say that I haven't had great male managers because I have but yeah I really felt like I got a lot out of Charlotte so yeah I think ultimately I think having female senior leadership members I think would really would be really great. What do you think we all need to do differently to make that happen? I think I think women supporting women is really important. I think that when women support women, incredible things happen. So I think that we should all be supporting each other. We could all be mentoring, you know, female members of staff and, and, and to help them feel empowered and that they can do a manager's role or they can do a, a more senior role. I think it's all about supporting each other. I think that's such a great point. And, you know, as a woman in this industry, obviously I'm, I'm not on the, uh, the freight and logistics side of the Zen Cargo business, but I completely agree with you that I think for us as women in industries that can be male-dominated, supporting one another is incredible. But also, I don't want to devalue the opportunity to work with lots of amazing men who you know, do support women. I often think in industries and logistics, it's, it's kind of on this legacy tale where you end up with imbalance, not necessarily through any intention or malice, though there's probably pockets of any industry where that happens, but just through tradition and 
and the practicalities of who comes into jobs, who tends to grow more quickly in roles. So I think creating opportunity for women early on in logistics and actually showing the breadth of roles that are available in logistics is, is super important. Right, Laura, it's time for this week's quickfire question round. I hope you're ready. So first off the block, tell us, which other supply chain job would you love to try for a day? I think actually I would like to work for one of our customers. So I think it would be really interesting to see, you know, what challenges they encounter dealing with logistics companies on a daily basis. Excellent. And tell me, what's your preference? If you had a choice in your supply chain, would you rather be agile or resilient? Definitely resilient. I think have a bit of a hard exterior, have a bit of a hard shell so that you're able to deal with things and, and just get on with it and not get too caught up in the urgency of everything. So you're definitely resilient. Perfect. And tell us, what's the best advice you've received in your career? Definitely just to be more confident and just be aware that, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and I do know what I'm doing and, and, just, and just own that. I love that. Last question for you, Laura, until we're done today. What is the number one lesson that working in supply chain has taught you? I think probably, actually, um, just going back to one of the other questions, it is to be more resilient. I think people can get quite caught up, particularly with air freight, with everything being really urgent and people get stressed out. It's definitely taught me to just take things with a pinch of salt and just, you know, be more resilient, not take things to heart so much. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for this week's quick fire questions. Thank you. Great. Laura, well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Not at all. It's been great learning about you. I can't wait to hear some of the more juicy stories about your early experience and some of the stuff that you've seen. I kind of imagine there's some great stuff to have over a a glass of wine and some interesting (laughs) stories there. Huge thank you also to our audience for tuning into this episode. If anyone has any questions or any feedback, please do contact us on LinkedIn. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. But for now, and until our next episode of Freight to the Point, goodbye.